Welcome back to Defenders TV Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Derek, and we're here with you with a very special episode this time. We have an interview with one of the members of the cast of Luke Cage, Justin Swain, who plays Bailey on uh, this season of Luke Cage. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome, Justin, to to the show. I'm obviously one of the other hosts, John, here. Chris can't be with us uh, today, but um, we're joined here, obviously, by our special guest, Justin, all the way from Connecticut. Is that right, Justin? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, good, hi. Good here. Um, yeah, I'm from uh, Connecticut, uh, Stanford, Connecticut, uh, just outside of New York City. I'm a New York-based actor, so I go into the city and, and work and then come up here and, and hang out by the ocean uh, in between gigs. Very nice. Sounds very nice. <laughs> and uh, in addition to your acting career, you've also done um, some written work for film and television as well as... Uh, a playwright as well so you have a lot on 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 your books yeah yeah i'm uh i've i've developed some pilots uh with different uh really fantastic uh people flown you know done the thing flown out to la and been back here i've also uh written uh plays that were produced off broadway in new york city and also in chicago and miami and i think i think somewhere else but yeah uh so i've i've, I've done a lot of writing as as well as as well as acting and, and some producing, I, I feel nowadays uh, with the way media is so it's so easy to to uh, to reach out to people through multiple uh, platforms that you have to be able to do all three of those things anyway. So that's it's nice. great and allows. Oh, and one interesting thing I'm actually doing right now that's really fun is I actually have started working in the virtual reality space. Oh, wow! Oh, wow! And it's really exciting um, working with uh, a, a company called Sensorium, or you know, we're we're in the process of, of of possibly working together and getting that started. And they're the guys that do a lot of work with the Oculus and uh, Samsung, Very and um, with a guy named Graham Sack, uh, who is a really fantastic writer himself. Excellent. And are you are you writing a project with it? Uh, it looks it looks to be that way. I mean, nothing's finalized yet, so I'm not going to go into too much too much detail with it. But it it's uh, it's an exciting opportunity, and uh, they're awesome guys, super talented, and it's such a brave new world with that medium of virtual reality. So it's a fun kind of thing to get to get in on the ground floor with. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, big uh, big year for virtual reality this year with uh, with Sony releasing their one a couple of weeks ago as well. So uh, an Oculus out earlier on this year. So really interesting stuff to get involved in that. I'd say. Yeah, 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 super fun, and, and you know, who knows? Maybe down the line, we'll write a Marvel series or something. Absolutely, do yeah, it all stuff. in virtual reality. <laughs> no, I'm just making that up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't quote you on that one. Uh, most of our listeners obviously will know you as uh, as Bailey on the uh, TV series uh, Luke Cage, uh, member of the NYPD, and worked very closely with uh, with Misty Knight. Um, I may have seen uh, Justin come in and give a lot of uh, big revelations within the show throughout uh, throughout the episodes we've watched. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, I suppose, first questions. Um, so, Bailey, essentially, he kind of becomes the de facto partner of Misty Knight. I mean, the, you know, with, with Raphael's scarf and the, the revelations of all that, mm. you know, did you enjoy that transition from, um, like, I think we, we see you in episode two, where you're one of the members of the forensic team kind of, uh, going round checking the bodies, doing the examinations. Like, what was it like to do that kind of transition to becoming um, more intertwined with, with Detective Misty Knight? It, it was totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was really wonderful and amazing and totally unexpected because I think it actually was the pilot that you first see uh, me as the character, Bailey. Mm-hmm. And then they had shot a scene with me in episode five that ended up getting cut out because of a story point that they wanted to, to mess with. Right. And they were really kind and they, you know, they reached out and said, look, we want you to know that it had nothing to do with performance or anything like that. We, we were just um, changing up the story a little bit. I think like you'll be you know happy about kind of where things go. Cause what's fascinating about being one of the recurring roles on the series. Um, and I can't speak for what everyone else's experience is, but it seemed to be, this is the way it is across the board. When you originally get cast, and when I was cast, I got an email, and it said, okay, Justin Swain, welcome to the Marvel family. Oh, wow. Uh, cool. Excellent. You are, yeah, you're now a part of the MCU. And I was like, that's amazing. It's really cool. Uh-huh. Um, and then they say, this is your link, and, and they basically give you a, a link to a, a secret website where you get your sides for right. the episodes you're in, but you don't get anything else. Oh, right, right. Wow. So, you really don't know what's going on because, of course, they want to keep everything secret and compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. I totally understand and get it. But in a way, it was like, have you guys ever seen the movie The uh, The Princess Bride? Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 And he tells, uh, he tells her in the movie, he goes, uh, you know, they say to me, good night, Wesley, sleep well. Too bad we have to kill you in the morning. And <laughs> that's exactly what it was like working on the on because I never knew until I got another email. Right. If I was going, how how and where the my character was going mm-hmm. um, at that point. So every time I left the set, it was like, yeah, good, goodbye, sleep well. Hope, hopefully, I don't have to kill you in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would get another another email, um, and and I noticed that the pages were getting longer, and it was like getting a a, a present, like a Christmas present every time. And my wife would freak out and go, "How many pages this time?" <laughs> and, and it was wonderful. And and then to be able to work with Simone, who was just amazing, um, totally giving and welcoming on set. Uh, mm. I, I just loved it. And like every time the, the character grew and, and I got to work with her more, I was just, it was just more of like a blessing. And, and it, it was really, really cool too, because the entire process was more like shooting a gigantic film than it was like shooting a television series. So right. I shot a few others, uh, you know, network shows and whatnot. And this, you felt like you were part of this, you know, huge universe but also, like, it was something where you had the kind of freedom on set to feel like you were doing a film where you, where you could really, like, you know, ad-lib some stuff here and there. If, it, right. if it's good, they keep it. And if not, you know, like, they, they pull another take. But the crew, Cheo, everybody, they, they were amazing. That's that's really interesting because, um, like, a, a, as an audience, we consume. I mean, okay, we don't, but the majority of the audience consumes it. You know, maybe does the binge watching, and I mean, that's kind of really come from Netflix. Mm-hmm. And like, it was kind of one of the questions, and you, you've kind of answered it in some way. Like that, what's the experience to shoot it? We kind of, I mean, I kind of just assumed that 
you almost binge shoot the, the the episodes, you know. And as you say, you've done um, Law and Order, uh, Boardwalk Empire. Um, like, how does the experience of a Netflix shoot differ? I mean, is it much more concentrated? Because, as you say, it, it's like doing a film project rather than a, a regular TV project. Mm. Or, like, it, it just sounds like it's different for the audience, but also for the actors and those involved. Yeah, I mean, I think that it it speaks to the the artistry involved in what they're in what they're doing. Um, you know, every single uh, script that I got, or every every little little bit that I got would 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 apply itself to a new episode, and it seemed as though like each episode was was happening within the course of two weeks, and so it was a different director every time. But there's yeah. a continu- there's a continuity though. Um, coming, I think from, you know, the top down with, you know, people like Jeff Loeb and, and Cheo and Hadari Coker, you know, galvanizing the vision. Uh, but then each individual episode is filmed by a different director that lends their kind of, you know, spice or, or, or take on it too. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you kind of get that feeling of such a collaboration between, you know, you have the the actors in front of the in front of the camera collaborating, but you have such an amazing collaboration behind the scenes that's happening as well that does turn it into, like you're saying, you don't really binge shoot it, but like it seemed to me to be a well oiled machine. I didn't work yeah. on, on Daredevil or or Jessica Jones, but it's the same the same people behind the scenes mostly are 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 working in terms of the crew and the makeup, and it's the same studio mm-hmm. and everything. So. It, it gives you freedom because the behind the scenes people know what they're doing so well that you can just go in and concentrate on what you're doing in front of the camera. And there's never, there never seemed to be any snags or anything slowing down the process. It was, right. it was very exciting and very creative, which was like the best part of it all. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is very interesting on the show that they do have a lot of different directors in every episode. Does that, does it feel different when there's a different director behind the camera each day when you're coming in? Well, for, for me, it was, it was really cool to, you know, see my part grow and then be there with directors, um, that were stepping in and they were new and I'd been there a few times. And so that was a different experience for me because I'd kind of come in on other series and worked on like one particular episode or or one particular thing with one director. And this time, um, I was watching new directors come in and they would definitely add, you know, a different energy or different feel to it. I mean, it was awesome of, um, of Paul to cast me in the pilot. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I think I worked with, uh, Steven Sirjic, who I think did episode 10 yeah. and he was really wonderful with the camera movement and the way that like all this frenetic stuff was happening in the story. And yeah. so I, I felt as though he was trying to mirror that with what he was doing with the camera. I was flying through the police station and picking people up and then coming back and landing on a conversation and flying out again. Yeah. And yeah all one continuous shot and there was a lot of choreography involved in that mm-hmm. even though it's just really people walking but you know i slammed it to a few extras a couple times it was <laughs> crazy it was, it was really a lot of fun and that's what you got from the different directors some were more interested in in the moments and, and others were were very interested in the camera movements and, and the moments as well so you basically got a smorgasbord of talent 
that you could learn from. It was, it was really awesome. Excellent, excellent. And one of the, one of the other things, obviously, about about the Netflix shows is that they're all being released in the same day. Is it a different experience for you with you know friends and family when you have an episode of Law and Order coming up and you get them all over to have a drink watching your episode? Whereas this is like thirteen episodes are coming out and you're going, well, you can skip the the second, third, and fourth of those because I'm not in that. Yeah, just skip the yeah, <laughs> the second half of the series. Yeah. No, it was really it was actually really funny because a lot of people watch the pilot and then you know I'm pretty quickly in and out of the pilot and they go, oh, I saw you, that was really great. Yeah. And, and then I'm like, no, but there's more. Just wait. But you, you don't want to rush them through. You know, you want them to feel sure. the story out. So yeah. I got a big bump of people that were interested in, in, in it when, when the pilot came out and got yeah. this big kind of, oh, cool. I saw you in a couple lines. And then like cut to a week or a week and a half later, mm-hmm. people got back to me and they'd be like, oh, my God, you're yeah. in it a lot. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, yeah, that's really. Uh, yeah. Um, just wait until the end. So. So that was the difference in this experience. But the funny thing was, is my father-in-law is a comic. Um, he's obsessed with them. He owns thousands of dollars worth of comics. Right. And he knew the whole Luke Cage story right. before we even shot it. And so the first person to watch the series from beginning to end was actually him. Really? <laughs> yeah. And then he came over to my house um, in Connecticut uh, and, and talked to me all about it. We went out for dinner. And he was the first one to get to the end of it and really, really dig it. I'm actually going to see Doctor Strange with him. When it comes out in a couple of weeks, so it was pretty funny that that was the person that uh, that got through it the first, Excellent. the most. That's that's definitely a way to impress your father-in-law. Oh, yeah. dude, I was I was so happy. I was so happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, did he get you to read any uh, Luke Cage comics? Like, are you a comic fan? Have you kind of d- dabbled in the <laughs> the comic uh, comic books before? I I was a huge MCU fan, like a huge fan of the Avengers. The funny, okay, the funny thing was. Is when I booked this, I had two auditions that day. I had one in the morning for a network show, and then that afternoon I had this audition for this thing called Tierra, right? Which was the code name. <laughs> Excellent. I, yeah, I had no idea, no idea what it was. They gave me basically a word document with a couple lines scribbled out on it, right? And come in and, and do this, and they were funny, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I had no idea what I was auditioning for, right? And so I was actually flying up the, the coast to, to hang out with my uh, family on Labor Day, and I was in a convertible, and my agent called and said, you got it. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? I couldn't hear. I had to pull a car over. <laughs> you got it. You booked this thing, Tierra. And I was like, oh, great. Sounds great. Yeah. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> um, and then when I got to uh, my house, I reached out to people and figured out that it was the next Marvel show. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. That's amazing. That. That's cool. <laughs> And then my father-in-law was there, and I told him, you know, that what I was doing. And he goes, "Do you know why they call it Tierra?" And then he knew the whole history of Luke Cage and why it was called Tierra to begin with, right? And really stuff. So it was really funny because I had no idea what I was getting into. And then even in the process, they keep everything so secret. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea where my part was was um, was going until I figured out where it was going. So that was the kind of process. It was all kind of. So that's a, I guess that's a long way to say I, I was more interested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe than I was an actual yeah. comic. Then all of a sudden to be part of that universe, that was for me like a big kind of, whoa, this is a, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, that that's cool. Like, I mean, because as, as as the the show goes on, it's like you push Misty Knight. Like, you know, you challenge her when she goes off to try and confront Luke Cage. You've um, you're kind of like this this really good sounding board for her as well. Like, she's the gut, and you're kind of the evidence or or, or, or the or the science. Like, how did that dynamic between yourself and uh, Simone Misek? Like, how did that kind of build and, and work? Oh, it's a really good um sort of development uh and combination of the t- of you two actors doing that it's really good yeah i was so excited to see that the writers um who were incredibly talented um were, were like they kind of picked up on something there and between us in in the like i felt that i mean simone was just so awesome and so easy to to work off of um that when we got into those conversations it just felt very natural Right. And and Cheo, uh, the showrunner, he was there from when we were filming the the finale. And there's a point where I'm explaining something to to Misty in the finale, and and uh, and he and he said to me something. I thought that was really cool, and I was really kind of kind of touched by it because, it, like, he was like, "Yeah, I would hear your like your voice, like Bailey's voice in my head, like being this kind of analytical, um, you know, full of details type of guy," mm-hmm. and. I would, I would write it, write it that way. And that's kind of what you're doing when you're with Simone is she wants to go, go, go. And you yeah. want to be very detail oriented and, and make sure you get everything right, which is kind of a really wonderful juxtaposition of how passionate she is as a detective. Yeah. And I'm a little more, uh, analytical and that can be frustrating, you know, and create conflict, but at the same time work together. So I thought that was really cool and it was really awesome just to work off of Simone and, and how, you know, she's awesome on the show. I mean, she's, yeah. She's, yeah. she's totally took Misty Knight and made it her own. And now she is Misty Knight. It's unbelievable to watch that happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because actually as well, you are, Bailey is the character that identifies Willis Stryker as well. And he he kind of makes the leap that, you know, um, what was it that, that this guy, Luke Cage, he's just got his driving license, that there's nothing else on and there's no kind of, credit cards or anything like that so like um bailey is also a, like a really important like uh storyline developer here for that and like okay it's it's maybe one or two lines but it it really kind of starts to feed the development of the 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 harlem uh police going after willis striker and, and so on mm-hmm. and, and and misty's relationship as well with luke cage maybe starting to figure out that you know where he's coming from so like that that was really cool i think um you started off that the secret code and the secret website sort of that presumably started throwing back more (laughs) more information to you yeah it was really funny too because um well, early on, there's a, there, was, there was a scene in episode five that they ended up um, not needing, you know, because the story stuff. But in it, in the um, text, it said Bailey, you know, has glasses. Right. Yeah. And I was and I was kind of running out of the house to go to shoot it, and I was like, oh, it has these glasses, and and so I grabbed my wife's glasses on the way out of the house. Right. <laughs> and and I got there. We started shooting the film, and. Uh, and I'm looking at the details, and as I'm looking through, it has her her prescription, mm-hmm. and I started getting sick because, <laughs> because I was looking through it. I was looking so closely at the details, and so I start taking the glasses off, mm-hmm. 
and and then the glasses kind of wearing them and looking at things and taking them off became like a, a really large part of my character. <laughs> <laughs> it became this kind of analytical thing, and it was just funny because later on they asked me about like making a pair of glasses for me mm-hmm. um, and if they were pres- prescription. But the funny thing was is they were my wife's, and I was uh, like every time Bailey's looking at something really close, my, my head's kind of spinning, and I have to take <laughs> um, <laughs> And that was kind of one of the moments in it that I felt in that scene that they eventually cut, though, that I, I was like, oh, there's a lot more to this guy. Mm. And he kind of he kind of really cares about Misty and, and cares about what's going to happen to her. And, and whether it's a, you know, some type of paternal role or something like that, he does start to say, look, you've got to you got to you got to check yourself on these things like Absolutely. you're getting involved in the wrong area of the law here. I want you to stay at least within details, like look at the evidence with me. Yeah. And, but, but I also defer to her a lot. Like, I think I said, you know, at one point, like you're the visualist, like you, you look, cause I mean, she has that skill that no one else has. So that was, that was really cool like, to work with her that way and to, to like with the glasses and everything, have that start to become the way Bailey works, and the way Bailey thinks. And it's a representation of his analytical nature. Yeah, there's not, there's not many, very many men in, uh, in Harlem that stand up to Misty Knight. She definitely got an opportunity to do that with, uh, with Taylor and just to back down and focus on what she's doing because she'll be doing something very stupid. So, uh, Bailey definitely has a little hero moment there trying to protect Misty. Yeah. And you got to do it cautiously though. Yeah. She's the force. <laughs> yeah. Forced to be reckoned with. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, speaking of analytical characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we obviously have um, Agent Fitz and Simmons over in S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, who are probably quite similar to uh, to your character of Bailey in that they always go with the evidence. Everything that could be a possible crossover back into the, uh, back into the other <laughs> TV Marvel Universe, where Bailey visits the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier, possibly. Oh, my God. That would be, like, the <laughs> coolest thing in the world. I, I, have, I have no idea. Um, you know, they, they keep everything so close to the vest. Mm-hmm. You know, even watching the show, I, I, you're on pins and needles going, what are they going to keep? Right. You know, like, like when, I, when I was waiting for it to come out, and, and first you're, you're kind of sworn to secrecy about anything in regard to the show. Mm-hmm. And also you're going, you know, what are they going to use? You know, because uh, I've had friends work on other Marvel shows and, and they've been they, they've had five days of shooting and then all of a sudden they, they show up, they get they, something explodes and they're gone. Right. And they're like, what right. happened? <laughs> and so I was definitely nervous about about that aspect of it um, when you're watching it going, OK, what are they going to keep? And, and I was fortunate enough that, you know, they, they really built up that relationship between me and Misty and, you know, hopefully that'll continue and I, and I will show up in, in other places, I, I, but I really don't know. They, yeah. they keep everything really secret. Always keep close to a main cast member. That's a, that's an important tip, isn't it? <laughs> Have some really good dialogue with the main cast members and usually your scenes will get kept then as well. So. Yeah, and don't, and don't die. And yes, don't, yeah, very important. Stay inside. Don't leave the police department. Yeah. <laughs> and that could be really cool because like the, the Netflix shows have – they, they've really kept some of those characters moving through each of the, the different uh, series. Like, I think we saw the assistant uh, district attorney come in um, from Jessica Jones into, mm-hmm. sorry, Daredevil season two into Luke Cage. So there's always that chance that, you know, you could be asked for some forensic role in The Defenders. Like, that would be really cool. I, unbelievable. I, I, I wait for the phone call. I mean, that would be just un, un, amazing. It was so cool to be there on set, too, in the days when, like, Luke Cage, like, Mike would come on set and mm-hmm. Rosario Dawson came on set and we would all, you know, I, even got, I don't know if you guys have seen the final episode, but there's a point where everyone's kind of, you know, together in the um, 
in the precinct and and uh and that was really fun like to be there and, and to be included in that and have a have a, have a role in that and, and you know work off you know for minimally but off off mike and, and um and rosario and those guys too i mean it was really just such talented people involved ron cephas jones who mm-hmm. plays fish and, and um and that guy, I mean, I know him from, I don't know him that well, but we did theater together a long time ago, Williamstown Theater Festival, and there's a lot of theater people that um, that they use that are just really talented people, and I'm a lot, I love that they're getting their, you know, getting the chance to be part of this cool universe. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, we, like, music's a really important um, part of this show, and we, we hear in episode two, I think um, Misty Knight calls out that, that, that Bailey... Don't don't give us one of your show tunes. So, um, I mean, for, firstly, what what would be some of the show tunes that do you think that Bailey <laughs> would be playing? It, I'm kind of sad they they you know they did cut some stuff out of scenes. That became a running joke right. in in the scenes, and they actually pulled back on on keeping it. I think it was a pacing issue, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in in the scene in episode seven, it actually started with um, you know me kind of looking at her going. You know, she's wor- she's worried of people um, wondering if she was corrupt too. And I said, "Look, you're, you're not corrupt. You like show tunes, right? So, <laughs> so you're, you know, so I know you're fine." And, and we had this back and forth about it. And they, they had, eventually that got cut out. It was kind of sad, but um, it became this thing where we talked about show tunes like two or three more times right. um, in the episodes. Um, and I, I don't know that that morning was really great. And when they were shooting the pilot, and that little line came out where she mm-hmm. goes, "Okay, don't start singing show tunes on me." Because uh, Cheo Hodari uh, Koko was on the set, and uh, he came over to me, and he goes, um, we're going to turn the shot around. You might be able to ad-lib some stuff. It'll be fun, like do some show tunes, whatever. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And then we started running and shooting certain stuff. And then he came back over me. He goes, okay, listen, I got good news and bad news. What do you want to hear first? And I said, I'll take the bad news. And he goes, he goes the bad news is we're not going to have time to turn the turn the shot around on you. That's too much today. I was like, okay, great. Well, it's all right. He goes, but the good news is we have a lot more for you to do later on. So you, so we'll see you again. And oh, I, was like, great. Yeah. I was like, I'll was like, i take that any day of the week. Excellent. But I think at the time I was thinking I'd sing something stupid like, you know, there's a bright golden haze on the concrete, you know, like something <laughs> ridiculous. Um, you know, because all the blood, blood and dead bodies uh-huh. in the office. It's like, oh, here we go again. Uh, and you, do, you do get a moment in Harlan's Paradise, one of the, probably the best looking sets I think has ever been on uh, one of the Netflix Marvel shows. Absolutely beautiful. Unfortunately, your scene down there happens to be with a dead body, as tends to be the case with Bailey. Uh, we did have a discussion about about the set down there with so many wonderful musicians being there. We had this kind of discussion as is is there an opportunity for a lot of the cast to kind of gather down there in the background to to watch some of the performances? Is that kind of a hangout joint for some people? Did you get the opportunity to get down there for any of the any of the uh, the live sets that were being that were happening at all? I I wasn't there for when they were performing. Right. Um however that was where I hung out in between shots. Right. Um, so like in between shots, um, doing multiple things, uh, if, if you, if you, uh, if you wanted to just hang out and not go back up to the dressing room area, you just go kind of hang out in Harlem's paradise. Of course. So that was really kind of awesome. As like you said, it's a really awesome set and Mm -hmm. you just kind of chill out, you know, back there until it was your time to, to jump in front of the camera. So that was cool. But I don't, I was never there on the days they were filming some of those musical acts and, and that's a shame because you're right. The music 
is gorgeous mm-hmm. and and it just lends such a wonderful atmospheric nature to the whole piece it it, it, it it's essential and i i love it i think the music is just amazing yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely you mentioned to us that you had had been in boardwalk empire um so <laughs> did you bump into um the daredevil um in, in I, any I, way charlie Cox? I, well, actually um i mean i i, I don't know if charlie would, would remember it but I, on the day i i was uh i think it's episode nine in the second season mm-hmm. um i was um i played one of the heads in the ira and actually took out McGonagall because uh, he wanted to make a deal with the English. And and uh, Charlie was on my, you know, behind the scenes on my team in a way, like thematically. And so, yeah, so he and I, uh, I worked opposite him for a second. And mm-hmm. I got to meet Daredevil before he was Daredevil <laughs> um, on, on the set of Boardwalk Empire, both of us Irish guys. And uh and it was he was wonderful. Um, like I said, it was only a couple of days worth of shooting, and I don't know if you remember, but he was just wonderfully kind. And it was it was an awesome experience. I was working with him and Steve Buscemi, mm-hmm. and I was firing a Tommy gun. <laughs> nice. Excellent. And and one of the things we did is if you were firing the gun, you had to train on the gun. Mm-hmm. So in New York City, there's an underground shooting range in Sho- in Soho, right. where almost all the guns that they use on movie sets right. are stored. Right. And I spent the afternoon shooting guns with with blanks with Steve Buscemi and his and his uh, son for a good two or three hours because uh, I think the gun guy knew that Steve Buscemi was coming. So after we shot the Tommy gun, he goes, "Do you want to shoot something else?" <laughs> and we were like, "Yeah, that sounds great." We shot nines, we shot Glocks, you know, yeah. a whole bunch of stuff, all blanks. Um, and um, and it's kind of sad because they actually didn't use the um, the gun was too big. They didn't use the the final shot oh, that right. I did with the Tommy gun in, in Boardwalk Empire. They changed it to a pistol. But at one point, I got to shoot the Tommy gun and just really tear this guy apart, shoot him into thousands of pieces. Right. But then they thought it was too distracting, so I shot him with a pistol. Um, but uh, but it was awesome. And yeah, I got to meet Daredevil, <laughs> and and he was a he was a really awesome guy, really great guy. Excellent, excellent. Uh, always a dream to shoot the t- shoot a Tommy gun as well, of course. You know. Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> and as a, as an Irishman and an Englishman as well, it's good uh, good that you had that little uh, that little connection to uh, to the Ireland England war. Uh, it's all resolved now. We're able to able to sit in a room and podcast, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> a good friend of mine, name he's Kevin O'Donnell. He's a first generation Irish kid, and, and he was he he loved that I got to you know play that part in the uh, in the uh, in the show. Excellent. One thing is we always like to throw back um, to any guests that we have uh, on the show is like, is there anything that you want to talk about? Like, have you got any up and coming projects or that you want to um, just give a shout out to or, or anything like that as well? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm waiting, you know, to find out what's going on uh, in the in Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and finding out what's going on there. And also, meantime, doing a lot of writing. Like, I think we talked about uh, some of the virtual reality stuff that I've gotten into, mm-hmm. as well as I have a couple pilot projects that I've written that, that people have shown some interest in. Um, I'm kind of developing something with um, Assembly Entertainment with a woman named Christina Wynn about the fishermen in Gloucester, Massachusetts that are overregulated uh, by the government. And so they, they essentially turn to smuggling to survive. So they start using their... their they're fishing boats to bring in a little more than fish right. in the ocean, okay, cool. right. and and uh, get involved in some pretty you know desperate times, desperate desperate measures type of stuff. 
And there's another project that's been dear to me that has been out and about for a couple of years, and, and we're hoping that someone will pick it up, maybe turn it into a, to a mini-series or, or take it to series. It's a pilot project about the first ever wrongful death case brought up against the police department in the United States in the 1970s for the killing of an African-American. Wow. Um, and it's based on a, on a real story, a true story right. um, of, a, of a lawyer. Mm-hmm. named Lawrence O'Donnell, who was a cop, became an attorney, figured out that it was all shady, what they mm-hmm. did. He used to be a cop. And he goes up against his own people yeah. in order to bring justice to this widower who who files a wrongful death case and no one else would represent her. And it's and it's, admitting, it's in the middle of all the busing riots and the segregation yeah. that was going on in Boston at the time. And it's a really cool script. And and, and it's also a heroic thing that this this guy did. Um, yeah. So hopefully we can get that off the ground as well because it's it's also all based um, in in reality. Right. Right. So yeah, and, and and again, one of the big things, obviously, about Luke Cage is is the timing of that show and the things that it, that it's covering. Uh, it's just come along at the right time to to have those kind of conversations. So it sounds like this this another another uh, really interesting take on. Uh, on the kind of uh, kind of environment in the U.S. Um, throughout the decades, uh, yeah, and I have to say that like the, the, the Luke Cage is a very entertaining, wonderful um, thing to watch, especially with all the Marvel and everything, and also adds uh, something very relevant to our cultural conversation, and that's what's beautiful about it, and why it is more than you know just a series. It really, it really is perfect for the time that it's that it's in. Yeah, what they did with without a yeah. doubt. So we had a little technical issue with the end of our conversation with Justin Swain. I want to say a huge thank you f- to him for joining us. Uh, if you want to connect with Justin, you can get him on Instagram. Just look, look for Justin Swain Official over on Instagram. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-S-W-A-I-N Official on Instagram. You can meet him on Facebook over at Justin Swain or on Twitter at J Swain Official. Uh, he's represented by MLCPOR, who I want to say a huge thank you to for organizing this interview with Justin. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Justin. I'm sure our listeners have really enjoyed that uh, that discussion about your uh, your time on the on the show. And we're really looking forward to seeing if you turn up an Iron Fist or in, uh, in Defenders next year. <laughs> yeah, or if there's a Misty Knight uh, spin-off show, like mm-hmm. it could be Misty and Bailey. Yeah, yeah. I got my glasses ready. <laughs> That'd Excellent. be cool. Excellent. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Listeners. Yeah, Justin. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. You think I'm holding back? You think I'm holding back? I'm out to save you. Thanks for listening to Defenders TV Podcast, a TV podcast industries production. Our theme tunes provided by the wonderful Mississippi McDonald and the Cottonmouth Kings. If you want to help out the podcast and you've enjoyed listening to us, there's some really easy ways to do it. If you can share our episodes through your social media channels like Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, or Google+, that gets some extra listeners into us. 
If you want to leave us a review on iTunes or a rating, just leave a five-star rating, click the button, or go to iTunes through DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. We'll take you straight to our page and leave us a review or a rating there. That always helps out independent podcasts. And also, as always, we love to hear your feedback about the show's interaction with our audience is what we really, really love. So you can send us feedback to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.